Welcome to the More Beach Meetings podcast produced by Surf Office. I'm Carson Sweezy. The More Beach Meetings podcast gathers the leading voices of the future of work to discuss remote working, company culture, and team retreats with new episodes the first and third Wednesday of the month. Today's guest is Dave Mastronardi, the CEO of the GameStorming Group. GameStorming is a couple of things. It started as a book, first written to make meetings better. It's a set of best practices compiled from the world's most innovative people and companies, condensed into a lightweight, low-tech toolkit that applies tools and rules to the problems of collaboration and teamwork. Today, we chat about how you can utilize GameStorming to plan your offsites and how to use GameStorming during your offsites to get the most of your workshops. For more about GameStorming, check out GameStorming.com and to hear Dave further discuss how to use GameStorming to design better workshops and to flatten rooms, listen to episode 42 of the Workshops podcast. Let's get into it. So Dave, can you give us the overview? What is GameStorming? So it's a couple of different things. It's a book, right? It's a book that was written about 10 years ago now. And the intention of the book was to alleviate the pain of meetings. I think the GameStorming stemmed from an observation as a lot of good things do, that meetings meetings suck in many instances. And so GameStorming stemmed from, uh, there's, there's a lot of literature, a lot of best practices out there to have better meetings, but GameStorming was an attempt to take all of those, those stories that the authors had heard from different organizations and put them all in one place. Recipes for working. And in, in that sense, it's a like a Brothers Grimm, kind of Grimm's fairy tales, where they didn't write all of the fairy tales, but they collected them and they documented them. And that's the idea behind game storming. So in one sense, it's got all of these recipes for how to do a two-by-two two matrix or an empathy map. So that's the very recipe-like, here's how you would do those things in a meeting or in a workshop. I also think of game storming as a, as a philosophy, as a way to interact. And that's this open explore, close model for whether it's having a conversation like we're going to do here, we're opening right now, and then exploring, getting into brainstorming session, and then closing, which is really figuring out. We, so we've we brainstormed these ideas, maybe we have options, and now how do we make decisions and how do we take what it is that we talked about back to work? That's what game storming is. It's, it's a methodology to, to collaborate. And another important ingredient in this is, is visual thinking. So there's a lot of post-its, flip charts, Sharpies, in getting your ideas and communicating visually with a group. Using the philosophy, like actually utilizing it, what are the ground rules when you're setting out to game storming into one of your meetings or workshop it? Well, so every different activity, and you could break down an agenda, whether it's an hour meeting or a three-day workshop, you can break those down into what we call games. And every game has its own set of rules, which is what makes it effective, which is what makes games effective. And that's where game storming came from. It's because this behavior of when you sit down to play a game or not sit down or to actively to stand up and run around, whether it's a, a soccer match or you're playing Monopoly, there's a set of rules that the players know, acknowledge, and abide by. And so that's why, that's why game storming works. It's pretty simple and every activity has its own rules and we make them explicit in the book, on the site, so that you get everybody involved to participate. Now, I would say 
The big rule, and we try not to have too many of them, is the open explore close. It's important to construct an agenda in the right way. You got to get warmed up. That's opening. Get everybody's head in the room, focus on the problem. Then you've got to explore and then you've got to close. And so with like that big philosophy, the open explore close, and then all the different activities, it's a matter of arranging those activities in the bigger framework. Okay, so speaking of, of planning agendas, how would we use game storming to plan an offset or what game maybe even specifically would we use or could a team use? So on the site, we've got a facilitator's toolkit and it's so basic. There's an activity called the seven P's and it walks you through everything you would need to plan a meeting, to plan a podcast, to plan an offsite. And so that's the starting point. And it, the first P, the one at the heart of it all, what's the purpose? And so then you go around the canvas or you do the exercise and you fill out the other P's, participants, pitfalls, and you start to put the framework for your meeting or for your gathering together. We also have a game board that we developed where you can place games. Think of like a uh, it's just space holders for a sticky note. I mean, you can do it on the canvas. You can do it on your desk. The whole, the whole, another part of game storming is that it's intended. It's, it was written for anybody who can read the book to do it. You don't have to have a creative background. You don't have to have gone to art school to do this. If you have the book, you can do any of the games with the supplies that you have at your desk. You don't need to print some canvas out. So oftentimes, and I do this all the time when I'm planning something, I have some sticky notes. And I just put them on my desk and essentially I'll, I'll write a game down on one of them. It's like a framing question. You know, this is why I've chosen this game. And then as I sequence these five or six, I think about, well, how is the, the output from number one going to be the input to some other game to the right of it? And that's really how you can, from once you've got your seven P's covered, that's how you can start to go in and start to draft an agenda thinking about the different games you want to play and how the output from one might be the input to another. And I would start there. I would start doing that. I hear what you're saying, and it's beautiful how this can kind of work. So you have an output from, from each game that you play or each session that you have. For the purposes of planning the retreat or planning an offsite, you have this output that would then lead to maybe even what you're going to be doing during the offsite or, or workshops that you'd have during the offsite. Through like a visual representation, how might we take the output from planning the actual site, where we're going, who's going to be there, how many people, how many days, all those logistical things into, okay, what are we actually doing once we're there? And what are we trying to get out of the retreat? And how are we going to facilitate a workshop? When you start thinking about the logistics or the blueprint for your offsite, you're going to go, it really stems from the purpose. What are we trying to get out of this? And you might have a couple of key questions that you want to get out of your, your offsite. And so then you have to start thinking, well, these, can I do this all at once? Can I do this in a, in a half day session? Is this something that we have to get people thinking about maybe on day one and let it sink in and revisit it later on in the retreat? And so those kinds of things, like the structure comes almost organically, but to your point, it stems from having that blueprint, that architecture and really answering that question why are we having this, this offsite? Why are we having this meeting, whether it's an offsite or not? And so then it's a matter of mixing and matching these activities together to get at what you want. 
And so over the course of three days, as opposed to doing something all in one day, we talked about open and exploring and closing. You don't have to do everything all in one day. You can start to open up and, you know, go wide on day one, doing some retrospectives. Maybe you're looking to do some kind of a process improvement or process implementation, or maybe make something, maybe it's a product, maybe it's a, a service offering, more customer focused. And so you might want to dig in on day one, looking at retrospectives, diving through data. What are our customers saying about us? What's the behavior they're exhibiting? How do we know that? And you really want to start to establish your current state by looking back. And then you can do some activities around some brainstorming activities, some ideation. You know, what might this look like in the future? Design the box, a cover story, something that's happening in that explore phase. And then once you've done that, you've really got to prioritize those, not only prioritize, evaluate. And so there's a lot of activities in that close area that are forcing you to have a discussion around the evaluation of the ideas that you brainstormed. And while we consider them closing activities and they help move you forward, it's not just a simple, well, we're going to vote on this and the one that gets the most votes win. The, the idea with the closing is to continue the conversation and then foster the conversation. So everybody who's in the meeting is on the same page in the decision to go forward, just like they were in the brainstorming. That's actually one of the benefits of being in the same place and being together is you get everybody on the same page. And oftentimes it's something when we work with clients, if they haven't done something like this before, it's hard to communicate the value of, I call them, it's like the meta benefits of being in the same space. Yeah, we're going to get the thing done. We'll develop the strategy or the measurement dashboard or the messaging. But equally as important, equally as valuable is that everybody who is in the room will leave on the same page. And that's something that you can only, once you've done something like this and you've left feeling really better than you thought you would. And it's not just because you have the project plan because everybody has the project plan. Right. And then that becomes, that closing becomes, how can we bring this back to work more than just like, okay, we're done, right? Like, I think a lot of the insights we've had from guests on this podcast are through years of them doing retreats, they've realized that that's such an essential part and not just doing a workshop for the sake of doing it, but like, okay, we want to actually have an output from this that we're going to keep going with. That's right. And this is something, so we just had... South by Southwest just canceled on Friday, right? And I've gone to South by, I don't know, eight or nine years in a row now. And I love it. It's great. And I can certainly remember a few things that in those eight or nine years I've taken back with me, I've learned outside of the networking, but just content specific stuff, lessons, insights. I would say looking back at the money that I or my employer spent on going to that conference, I don't know if it was worth it for those one or two, maybe five nuggets that I took away. And so this is something that we see all the time, whether it's a big international festival or conference, or just the workshop you're doing with your team for a couple of days, the retention rate is really, is really low. And so we try to optimize for that. And one of the pitfalls that I see all the time, and we have to make sure that we don't fall into it, is you don't provide enough time for closing. It's Especially if it's something like, you know, everybody wants to have an innovation workshop. 
or, you know, emerging tech. And it's so fun to brainstorm and think about really cool ideas. And if you let that go too long, all of a sudden you find yourself, maybe it's at the end, it's four o'clock and you've only got an hour left to close. And a lot, that's not enough to really drive to some decisions and give some deep thinking to what it is that you just discussed and take it back to work. And that's almost more dangerous than not having the workshop at all, is not giving the closing enough time. So all of your other guests have been very smart and insightful with this observation. Well, I think, yeah, some of the companies that have done, you know, four retreats a year for the last 15 years, that's where they start to realize it. You know, I think on the flip side of that, like companies that are just starting to do retreats, it, it takes them a few years to realize that, you know, what's the formula for like, if you have a set amount of time, let's say, how do you decide when to transition into the close or how to navigate that or over a period of a few days, like how do you decide how much time to allocate to that closing? Well, like everything, getting good at facilitation or agenda development takes time. It takes practice and you get a feel for it. And I would say the rule of thumb as you're going through that trial and error period is once you come up with your agenda, cut about half of it. You're not going to get through as much as you think you are. And so that's something, let's, let's just say it's in you know, a full day workshop. I want to start thinking about closing 2.33, depending on the goal of the workshop. But I would say start there. You're still creating ideas in the closing. Like you're still evaluating. And that's maybe where the misstep occurs is that you think if I move into closing or whatever, whatever approach it is that you're following, like when you move into the decisions and commitments part of the workshop, you think, well, now we can't brainstorm anymore. We can't come up with any new ideas. That's not true. The conversations that force you to rank this on an effort versus impact two by two or a voting exercise or the $100 test, that's going to spark conversation, evaluation, deep thought, and you're going to continue to come up with, with ideation or exploration phase thoughts. So, and it's really helpful. And look, if you let people out early, they're thankful. If you let people out a minute late, you're a horrible facilitator. So start earlier than you think. It, it'll be worth it in the end. You can always add activities. If you notice that you're going to be wrapping up a half an hour early, there's always something that you can do that you can throw in there. So, I mean, obviously there's plenty of other benefits to this too, like team building and just bonding and, and building up those communication skills and all that. I'm curious about the space though, as we kind of wrap things up, what are the best setups? What are the best rooms to use game storming in with this like physical intimate nature? Yeah, I would say it's uh, some, this is a, uh, we have a diagram that we share with clients. It's never perfect because the furniture is, it's already bought. We try to use round tables, something on wheels, preferably five to seven people per table, lots of room in between them, every table with a flip chart, plenty of wall space, plenty of empty wall space so we can fill it up. A projector, sometimes try to stay away from that, from the whole sit and get. Although understand that sometimes you need to share a video, put a timer up. You might need to put a timer up on the board. So if you've got that usually in the middle of the room up front, but an open room, a lot of empty wall space, those round tables that can move if you need to. Everybody's got an easel and then plenty of space in between the aisles so people can walk to the wall. So as they hang things up, as they present to the group, the room can shift around and get in to hear what the explanation is or they can ask questions. Great. Well, Dave, thanks for coming on the show and 
briefly exploring this. I know there's a lot more that we can get into. Where can people find more about this? Where can they find some of the games and all the resources that you've been mentioning? Sure. The website, gamestorming.com, all of the games that are in the book, plus more that we continue to add to are there. What's missing from the site is that open explore close framework that I think is actually the most important part. There's a link on the site. You can just Google GameStorming. The right links will show up. And we're on Twitter at GoGameStorm. We're pretty responsive there. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Dave. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Carson. Our guests on the podcast bring up some amazing thoughts on remote culture. How do they keep remote culture from becoming stale and distant when the team isn't physically present day by day? Most, if not all of them, are leveraging in-person offsites. Get your employees out of the office and get ready for an experience that will give you a boost of team spirit. Head to thesurfoffice.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the show to stay up to date with the latest conversations around the future of work. We'll be back with a brand new guest and some fresh ideas in a couple of weeks. Until soon.